Hello. It is me, the Bizarre Bot 5000. Tony sent me here to remind you that brand new episodes of Bizarre Albums will be returning on August 2nd. For now, please enjoy another remastered episode with additional content. Take it away, Tony. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that make you wonder how and why they exist. And that's why I started this show. But sometimes, after releasing episodes, new information comes my way about some of these albums, and I want to pass that on to you as well. And as usual, I'm not here to make fun of these albums. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums Remastered. Today's episode, The Rockafire Explosion, G, our first album from 1982. We are here at the White House for a special report on the energy crisis. Mr. President, have you any statement? Mr. President, what really caused the energy crisis? In the During the crisis, how much gas will motorists be allowed? Just That's Dickie Goodman's Energy Crisis 74. It's a satire of the United States energy crisis that had begun in late 1973. The song actually became a top 40 hit, believe it or not, peaking at number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. The oil crisis began in October 1973 when the members of the Organization of Arab Petroleum Exporting Countries declared an oil embargo targeted at nations supporting Israel during the Yom Kippur War. This led to the price of oil rising almost 300%. During this time, a 19-year-old college graduate named Aaron Fechter started his own company called Creative Engineering. His goal was to solve the energy crisis. Here's Fechter in an interview from the CEC Florida YouTube channel. I did build a car that got really high gas mileage because it was based on a go-kart principle, a very lightweight, small engine, and, um, and it happened just at the right time in 1973 when the price of gas was soaring and we were being held up by the, the oil companies telling us that there wasn't any more gas available. Uh, so uh, everybody loved my little car that got really high gas mileage and I went to work, started creative engineering and thought that's what I was going to, to be doing with my life. He called the car the Judda. It got about 90 miles per gallon of gas. As a way of raising money to fund production of the Judda, Fechter invented a device to clean leaves out of swimming pools. He started going door-to-door in his hometown of Orlando, trying to sell his leaf-eating device. One of the doors he knocked on would lead to a change in direction for creative engineering. Here's Fechter in the Rockafire Explosion documentary from 2008. He listened to my spiel that I gave him, and my spiel always started out, Hi, I'm Aaron Fector, and I'm an inventor, and I've invented this leaf eater, and it cleans your swimming pool. And he looked at me kind of sarcastically, and he said, So, you're an inventor, huh? I said, Yes. Well, he says, Well, an inventor can invent anything. I said, Yes, I can invent anything. And so he says, Well, could you invent a control system to, to control a shooting gallery for an amusement park? I said, Sure. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to do it. The shooting gallery they worked on also featured an animatronic talking horse. And from working on this, Fector started receiving several offers from companies to build other animatronic animals for them. 
Suddenly, the focus of creative engineering was no longer on fuel-efficient cars, but animatronics. By the summer of 1978, Fector had built an entire animatronic show that he called the Wolfpack 5. He took the Wolfpack 5 to the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, or simply the IAAPA. The Wolfpack 5 was made up of five rock band members. It consisted of the Wolfman, Fats Gorilla, Dingo Star, Beach Bear, and Queenie. I give you racks and stacks of the best on wax with the fabulous Wolfpack 5. The following year, Fector brought a new animatronic show to the IAAPA. He called it the Hard Luck Bears. This show was made up of a band of bear brothers, Billy Boy, Billy Bill, Billy Wilbur, and Billy Bob. It also featured additional characters like Mama Grandbags, Goonie Bird, and a pair of brothers who worked at Smitty's Super Service Station named Pete and Repeat Thornsberry. Once again, the show was a big hit at the IAAPA, and it caught the eye of American businessman Robert Brock. Brock was the chairman of Topeka Inn Management, later renamed Brock Hotel Corporation, the first and at the time largest franchisee of Holiday Inns. A few months prior to seeing Fector's work with creative engineering, Brock had signed an agreement with Pizza Time Theater Incorporated to develop nearly 300 restaurants in 16 states. Pizza Time Theater had been founded in 1977 by Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell. With the growing popularity of arcade games, Bushnell wanted to make them more accessible to kids. At the time, arcade games were often found in bars and other non-kid-friendly locations. So Bushnell came up with the idea of a pizza restaurant. He was very fond of the Country Bear Jamboree at Disneyland, so another part of his plan for the restaurant was to include an animatronic show. He was originally going to have a coyote mascot and call the restaurant Coyote Pizza. But in time, the coyote became a rat named Chuck E. Cheese. And the first Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater opened in San Jose, California in 1977. So let's fast forward back to 1979 again, when Bushnell and Robert Brock had made their agreement. They made that agreement in June. Brock was given exclusive franchising rights for opening new Pizza Time theaters, while also forming a company subdivision, Pizza Showbiz, to develop the Pizza Time theaters. That November, Brock saw Aaron Fector's animatronics at the IAAPA. They were much more advanced than what was happening with the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. This led to Brock requesting a release from his agreement with Bushnell. In December, Brock and Fector formed Showbiz Pizza Place Incorporated, and on March 3rd, 1980, the first Showbiz Pizza Place opened in Kansas City, Missouri. I bet that pizza tastes good. Mm-hmm. You've never seen a place like Showbiz Pizza Place will serve you a pizza second to none. So come for the pizza. Showbiz Pizza Place with over 60 electronic games. Pizza baked fresh every day. And the stage show extravaganza on three stages. So come for the pizza. Stay for the fun. 
The stage show for the first location temporarily used Fector's Wolfpack 5 show until a new one was created. However, a few changes were made. At the request of the restaurant, Queenie the Fox was changed to a mouse character now named Minnie Mozzarella. They wanted a mouse character to fit the pizza theme. In July of 1980, the new fully custom animatronic show was ready. The new show was basically a combination of part of the Wolfpack 5 mixed with the Hard Luck Bears. And this new combination was now a band known as the Rock of Fire Explosion. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's most advanced entertainment has now joined forces with the world's finest pizza. The Rock of Fire explosion consisted of a gorilla on keyboards named Fats Geronimo, Beach Bear on guitar, a dog drummer named Duke LaRue, Mini Mozzarella now became Mitzi Mozzarella, the Wolfman was now known as Rolf, who now also had a fuzzy puppet named Earl. All of those characters had originally been in the Wolfpack 5, and from the Hard Luck Bears, the Goonie Bird was now known as the Looney Bird, and he was originally portrayed as having traits of an alcoholic and frequently huffed gas to calm himself down. Seriously. And on guitar was Billy Bob Broccoli. Billy Bob would also serve as the mascot for showbiz, and the restaurants even had a costumed version that would walk around greeting customers, something that terrified me as a child, and I hid under the table. But this isn't about me. Showbiz quickly expanded, and with the expansion, Fector and his creative engineering team were now having to produce 40 Rockefeller Explosion shows every quarter year. In 1981, Rockefeller Explosion singles were being sold. The first of these singles was Do You Love Me, featuring Beach Bear. As things continued to grow, six different 45s were released throughout 1981 and 1982. And by 1982, Showbiz had opened their 100th location. Also in 1982, G, our first album by the Rock of Fire Explosion, was released on Creative Records. The album begins with Little Sister, a song that was a number five hit for Elvis Presley back in 1961. Here, it's performed by Beach Bear and Duke. Well, if you happen to notice Batch's Little Sister lately, <laughs> let's give it to her, Duke. Little Sister, don't you? Little Sister, don't you? Little Sister, don't you kiss me once or twice, then you say it's very nice, and then you run. After a long spoken word and musical introduction by Fats Geronimo, is The Music Goes Round and Round. It's a song that was first a hit for Tommy Dorsey way back in 1936. In addition to building the animatronic characters, 
Creative Engineering employees also wrote and performed the songs, as well as the bits between the songs. Fats Geronimo was played by Burt Wilson. According to Wilson's bio on ReverbNation.com, Burt created, scored, and produced the Rock of Fire Explosions shows. And there is zero credits listed on this album, so that's the closest thing to a producer credit that I've found. Well, press this here note down, and the music goes down and round, yeah, 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 and it comes out here. Oh, when you push this little note down, and the music goes down and round, yeah, 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 and it comes out here. When you push this blue note down, and the music goes down and round, you know what you know. The voice of Duke LaRue was provided by Duke Chopetta. For track three, he sings The Doors' number one hit, Light My Fire. The album and the singles were released on Creative Records, which is a label imprint of Creative Engineering. The Rock of Fire Explosion releases are the only albums that were ever released on that label. And this record was released on both vinyl and cassette. The same songs appear on both, but for some reason the track listing is slightly different. The final three songs on side A are the final three songs on side B on the cassette version, and vice versa. I'm guessing that was maybe a running time issue. I really don't know. Only a guess. Baseball is a song sung by Aaron Fector himself as the voice of Billy Bob. Fector actually voiced the majority of the characters. And for some reason, Billy Bob dedicates this song to all of his teachers. Here's a song for all my teachers. I like to play baseball. I like to go swimming. We like to go to movies. We like to eat pizza, play Pac-Man too, but we don't like to paint the house, scrub the floor, do you? Side B begins with Going Crazy, predating David Lee Roth's Going Crazy, or Loco Del Calor to regular Bizarre Albums listeners, by several years. When I say there are no credits listed on this album, I mean there are no credits. No performers, no producer. Songwriters aren't even credited. To the best of my knowledge, this appears to be a Rockafire Explosion original. All right, hey, it's Tony here in 2022. First off, the audio quality might not be as good right here. Apologies, I'm still on the road. Anyway, wanted to say that after this episode came out, a listener contacted me, and unfortunately, 
I cannot find the actual message anywhere, nor what he sent me, but I did want to let you all know that apparently my used copy that I bought of this album was missing the liner notes. This album did have liner notes in it. Apparently they're still pretty vague. Aaron Fector is being credited as air several times, and also apparently I was correct that Going Crazy was written by Duke, and he's credited in the liner notes as DC Duke. So... I know that's not a lot of new information here, but I did want to let that be known. After a brief performance of the to be or not to be speech from Hamlet, seriously, we get a cover of Billy Joel's You May Be Right, which has appeared on Bizarre Albums in the past, that time as part of Chipmunk Punk. You may be right, I may be crazy, but it's just maybe a lunatic you're looking for. Turn out the lights, don't try to save me. You may be wrong for all I know, but you may be right. Up next is an original called Sal's Birthday. It's one of the few songs that Fector talks about in the documentary. He even sings and plays a bit of the song as well. Here's Fector talking about the song from that moment. And that was actually one we called Sal's Birthday because uh, the greatest musician I ever worked with, uh, who we called Sal back in those days, wrote that. And a very touching song about a... <laughs> it's making me cry because, because I miss Sal. But it's, it's, about, it's about a child growing up. And uh, it's about, it's, it's, the, it's the sentimentality of lighting a candle for every year that's passed. So, let's light up a few candles. Now we get to the final three songs swapped again. After a seemingly very out-of-place cover of Unchained Melody, we get Too Shy. But this is another original. This Too Shy predates Kajagoogoo's Too Shy by several months. But I wanted to talk about the closer. Well, the vinyl closer, anyway. Beatles Medley, which is exactly what it sounds like. Beatles Medley had actually been released as one of the singles the year before. On the 45, its B-side was a song simply called Roast Beef Sandwich. Roast Beef Sandwich does not appear on this album, but you know I'm going to have to play a clip of a song called Roast Beef Sandwich. Roast Beef Sandwich and a pizza Roast Beef Sandwich and a pizza John and Jane and all the gang gonna have themselves a ball Eating Roast Beef Sandwich and a pizza Roast Beef Sandwich and a pizza Roast Beef Sandwich and a pizza 
you get the idea. Here's a bit of Beatles medley. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Remember I'll always be true And then while I'm away I'll ride home every day And I'll send all my loving to you I'll pretend that The album isn't currently streaming anywhere other than YouTube. You can find vinyl copies occasionally, but be prepared to pay a little more than you would for many other records. It doesn't appear to have ever gone past its initial pressing, which isn't really surprising, because right around the same time they'd opened their 100th restaurant in 1982, both Showbiz and Chuck E. Cheese started losing money. By 1984, Pizza Time Theater had filed for bankruptcy, and Showbiz bought them. The two companies merged forming Showbiz Pizza Time Incorporated. Eventually, Fector had a falling out with the company, and the Rockefeller explosion was eventually phased out. And by the 90s, all Showbiz locations were rebranded Chuck E. Cheese. For a much more in-depth story of what happened with the Rockefeller explosion, check out the 2008 documentary that's also called The Rockefeller Explosion. They've had a bit of a resurgence in recent years, but watch the documentary for that. The Rockefeller Explosion did release one more cassette, however. In 1987, Homely for Christmas was released, once again on Creative Records. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.